When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. there and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Adam Russell. And I'm your other host, Nick Ganbarian. Ryan is having technical difficulties. As is tradition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he has extremely bad luck with electronics, exclusively in the field of recording things, <laughs> which he needs to use. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're starting almost a full hour later than we told the patrons we'd be on because we've been trying to deal with all this crap and he, it's just not happening. So no. um, he's going to do some things and hopefully next week he'll be back. If not, I think we're going to kill him, maybe? <laughs> Actually kill him? So I'll fly to Tennessee, kill him real quick. Just for one murder? <laughs> I'm only here for one murder. It's fine. <laughs> Officer, it was one murder. <laughs> Give me a break. Freebie. I get one freebie, right? <laughs> right. Well, you get two incidents of damage uh, per year. Mm, mm-hmm. Well, within your Apple Care Plus. <laughs> two at the same time would be one murder, so that works out. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right, so it's a duo cast on Thank the Maker. Yeah, we got this. We haven't had one of these in a long time. You're Han, I'm Chewy because I'm Harry. <laughs> so The height thing's flipped, though, so we're, we're really throwing you a curveball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not movie quality at all. <laughs> so we're going to talk about, this This will be a shorter one, but we're going to talk about really just Boba Fett stuff across the board. Mm. We're going to give our reactions to the Book of Boba Fett trailer, which has been out for, I don't know, a week or so now, if not more. We didn't talk about it last week. And Disney also released a documentary, a short one, called Under the Helmet, The Legacy of Boba Fett. All of this is ramping up as we approach the December 29th premiere of the Book of Boba Fett. Everyone's stoked. We're stoked. The temperature is rising on the hypermometer, right? That's what you would call it if you stuck it in the butt of the hype yeah. person. Yeah. Hype, hypometer? Hypo, hypometer? Yeah. Hypometer. Hyper yeah. is like hyperspeed, so hypometer. Either way. It's rising. Very stoked. Very, very yeah. stoked. It was a weird thing. I know we're going to talk about Disney Plus in a second, but it seems so strange they released that a week before Disney Plus Day and then had nothing of substance to release on Disney Plus Day. That's just <laughs> right. so strange. Like, yeah. it doesn't affect me one way or the other, but like, if I was in charge, I'd be like, hey, we could wait seven days. No one even is expecting this Book of Boba Fett trailer. It's not like it, anyone knew it was coming or anything. We all suspected it was because of we knew the book of Boba Fett was like due out in December. There was no pressure for them to put it out when they did. Very strange. It really makes me wonder if they had something else planned and it just wasn't quite right. Maybe they didn't finish yeah. certain effect shots. Mm-hmm. They weren't happy with the edit, whatever. It, it's a very, like rumor has it, to go back to Apple, rumor has it the most recent Apple Watch release was a contingency plan because mm. there's a full redesign and all this kind of stuff. And if they couldn't get the supply chain stuff in line in time, they had this contingency plan of a half-ass kind of redesign. Huh. That, that kind of seems like this kind of thing, you know? You, yeah. A company that's this big is obviously planning years ahead, but some stuff just comes down to like a couple days difference. Yeah. And here we are with hardly anything from Disney Plus Day. Yeah. I mean, between you and me and the 
tens of millions of listeners to thank the maker. Like it's getting really like just Star Wars in general. It's getting really old. I know the pandemic stuff is, is going to come into play here with production things, but like movies are dropping off the slate. Like all the graphics we got last year for what, D23? Yeah. Half of those shows and projects are just off the slate already. Not only do we not have them like in production or any info, they're just also being rumored to be like, and we will say rumored, they're just rumored to be shelved at this point. And it's like, what? What is going on? Yeah. I mean, rumored is the keyword. Mm-hmm. But to make another Apple analogy, I feel like there's such pressure to give people something, to give them some kind of information. Number mm-hmm. one, to kind of combat the rumor mill mm-hmm. or at least provide some clarity amidst the intensity of the rumor mill and also pressure to deliver and give people something because everyone's just beating down the door. Mm-hmm. It's like the old school, like uh, Black Friday sale commercials, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> like a horde of zombies waiting for new content that they may be announcing things earlier than they should. Mm-hmm. And Apple, here's the example, with the AirPower wireless charging mat. I don't know if you heard anything about that years ago. Mm. They were developing this charging mat that could do multiple devices anywhere on the thing. You just throw mm-hmm. them on there, your watch, your phone, whatever, and it just works wherever, right? So they did this announcement at one of the events. They showed renders of it like it's a real product. It's coming out in fall of whatever or something like that. And it kept getting pushed back, pushed back. They stopped mentioning it. And then all hmm. of a sudden, for the first time in as long as I can remember, if not all of 21st century Apple, they said, it's not happening anymore. Wow. They got ahead of themselves. They announced something that turns out they couldn't even produce yeah, yeah. due to the laws of physics. <laughs> because there was all that pressure about you need to mm-hmm. change the world every single year with some announcement. Yeah. And I feel like there's some version of that going on with Disney. There's a parallel for sure. But I mean, it just seems like, when did this sale go down? A couple of years before Force Awakens, right? 2012. Yeah. So you know what next year is? Disney owning Lucasfilm for 10 years. Yeah. I don't know. A decade's a long time. You should have everything in order by then. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Sorry to get slightly negative here, folks. But like, if this is the only entity in the world and biggest franchise in the world like it used to be, you just take what you get. But you have under the same umbrella, Marvel just constantly putting things out and everyone loves everything they do. So it's like, how could you not compare the two? They're literally part of the same company. I don't know. It's it's just more frustrating because like I'm not going anywhere. I love Star Wars. It just seems like how many times can this happen where directors are getting fired and things are getting shelved? I don't know. I just want more Star Wars. So like yeah. get it together, guys. <laughs> I'll say two things before we move on to kind of play devil's advocate. One, so much stuff like this has always gone on behind the scenes mm-hmm. for every single film that's ever been made for every studio, mm-hmm. but you just don't hear about it in the kind of quantity and you don't have the leak hunters coming from every angle yeah. like you do with something as massive as Star Wars mm-hmm. in a year like 2021 yeah. and beyond. So we're just more aware of it. It's kind of like in Florida where anyone can look up the record, the police records, and it just seems like people are way weirder in Florida and weirder <laughs> stuff happens, but yeah. there's just more visibility mm-hmm. that said Florida is weird. Yeah. And then I think there's also a lot of parallel that can be drawn between Marvel and Star Wars, but Marvel's got like, I don't know, 70 years of cups yeah. trying to make Marvel what it eventually became in mm-hmm. the MCU starting 20 years ago. Yeah. So they're working from different source material in terms of like where it started. Mm-hmm. They also have decades of lessons on what not to do in terms of like how to juggle all that. I agree. I see it all. 
I'll make one more point to your points. Maybe all those people who are leaking and looking, dying for Star Wars content would not be looking for Star Wars content if there was Star Wars content. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like if yeah. there was something else to report, people wouldn't be looking and trying to fabricate stories left and right if there was actually things going on, which I guess is more ultimately the point is please just make more Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> That's ultimately where yeah. I'm coming from. We're also like the worst combination of impatient children and drug addicts <laughs> as Star Wars fans. So yeah. we can't ever, <laughs> our, our thirst can never be quenched. Yeah, that's true. All right. So briefly, Disney Plus Day, November 14th is when this went down. We did get two days before the documentary that we're going to talk about today. And then on the day of Disney Plus, November 14th, we got a Kenobi I don't know, like a stinger, a little teaser kind of yeah. thing, which included some concept art. The whole thing was actually leaked the day before, mm -hmm. made up of some recycled stuff from before. So it's, it really came down to the, the handful of concept art pieces in terms of new content and stuff we could dig into and, and explore. Yeah, I mean, that was for sure cool. But how long ago do you, do you remember hearing when they wrapped filming? Like it wasn't that long ago, mm. two months, three months. If that. Yeah, yeah. So I I wasn't so sure that we were going to see anything, but I didn't think it was impossible if it was a priority. But Disney Plus is a made-up holiday just like Valentine's Day. Yeah. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't need to be November 14th. It could have been a month from now and people would have been like, oh, it's Disney Plus Day. <laughs> well, it was a cool day for Marvel and Marvel fans. Mm. There was a ton, enough that there is a special on Disney Plus that you can watch with the overview. Mm -hmm. So good for Marvel fans. Happy for yeah. Going back, though, to the Book of Boba Fett trailer, which we haven't talked about yet. Mm -hmm. Let's react. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. Is that Boba Fett? He's in it. <laughs> so, I mean, I again, going back to, like, why it came out when it came out, I had no idea, but I was ultimately surprised. I woke up, picked up my phone like a normal person five seconds after I opened my eyes and saw that there was a Boba Fett trailer. I was like, wow, wow I love this feeling, like surprise Star Wars stuff. Awesome. And I feel like I've been so kind of detached from Star Wars a little bit and just from a lot of things that, that I really leaned into in, during the pandemic, just because I went on tour, came home to like a different life here, had to get the house together and just all this stuff here. So I feel like I haven't been giving that much of my like brain bandwidth to Star Wars uh, lately, but also there's not much going on. So I didn't really feel too bad about it. So immediately just seeing this Mandalorian-esque vibe pulled me right back into that excitement of the Mandalorian universe, which was really awesome. Nothing too juicy in the trailer, but I mean, it looks great. It seems so strange after all these years to get a Boba Fett specific entity. Like him even being in Mandalorian was just cool. Now it seems weird that we're going to learn so much about him, I assume, after almost 40 years of him being around. Kind of crazy, kind of awesome. I, I was super stoked just visually because... Mm -hmm. The style that Rodriguez brought to the table in The Mandalorian mm -hmm. is obviously carried on here, and it just all looks so badass. Yeah. The opening shot with that spider thing from outside Jabba's palace mm -hmm. immediately caught my attention. The overhaul of Boba's look, just all the, the original trilogy stuff updated, mm -hmm. really checked all the right boxes for me, so I was pumped. But in terms of like nuggets, things that little um, kind of deep cuts and hints at what's coming up and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff... There were a few that I didn't notice until the second or third viewing, but there's some fun stuff that I want to kind of run, run down the short list real quick. Mm -hmm. 
One, did you notice when he he sort of receives the helmet from somebody and he's putting it on? Yeah. Did you notice behind him there's like a chamber, like a coffin kind of thing, which I'm assuming is a back to chamber or yeah. something because Tamara's skin is kind of pristine. I mean, he's yeah. still old, but he doesn't look like he just came out of a Sarlax butthole in this like he did in Mando. Yeah, which he did in Mando. You know, like yeah. they went out of their way to like make it the like scarification like extra weird. It definitely looked yeah. bizarre and there's barely much at all in this trailer. So yeah, I mean, that's a good point. That makes, if that's a back to chamber or some sort of like regenerative little tanning bed he's got on because he is pretty tan. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they might have just had to work that into the story to spend less time in the makeup chair, which is totally fine with me. There was also, and I did a little Googling to see if anyone else noticed this, it sounded like Din's voice. Totally, yeah. Right? Notice that, like, right away. When he says, your former employer or mm-hmm. something, right? Mm-hmm. Word, okay. I wasn't making that up. I don't know if it is. Like, the consensus isn't a thousand percent that it is, but it sounds a lot like... And why wouldn't he show up in this at some point, you know? Right. It seems like an easy episode for them to just be like, well, Din Djarin's in this one. There's also the line that has been a little bit debated, the idea of Boba Fett ruling with respect, unlike mm-hmm. Jabba who ruled with fear. Yeah. Some people are a little bummed on this because they want Boba Fett to be a pure villain. Mm. I think you can still be a pure villain... And say a line like this? I don't know. To me, it's like ham-fisted and simple in the actual words they used. But like, think about Tony Soprano. I did, I was about to say. Yeah, yeah, like that's respect. He's an anti-hero. You wind up cheering for a despicable person. And I don't know that like, because this is a Disney entity, like I don't necessarily think Boba Fett's going to be a total douche, but I think there's going to be a a line. And if you cross that line, you're getting that Tusken Raider... uh, What's the stick called? Gaffy stick. Gaffy stick. I was. I kept. You know when you get like the wrong word in your head and you just can't get it. I kept thinking yeah. bocce, like the bocce, the bocce ball. Yeah, his bocce ball set. <laughs> Tony Soprano's playing bocce. Yeah. If you cross a line with Boba, you're getting the gaffy stick to the face. You know. Yeah. We're not going to see Boba Fett volunteering at the local kindergarten mm-hmm. tying together balloon animals for their picnic. Yeah. He's also not going to be like a cold-blooded murderer because mm-hmm. he he lives by some kind of code even if he is a criminal, ultimately. And and think about, too, who's heavily involved as, I think he's EP on it, right? Robert Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. I think he's directing also, but I think he's kind of on the level of Filoni and Favreau, I believe, on the whole series. But he is, he's going to have some good action in there, and there's no way Boba Fett's not going to be as violent as Disney will allow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and there's, there's one shot that's just like the episode of The Mandalorian where mm-hmm. he just brings down the hammer. Yep. Totally. Um, lastly on this, I thought it was really dope that they're they're doing a lot of practical makeup stuff, a lot of mm-hmm. original trilogy style stuff, like the, the meeting around the table with the Trandoshans. Mm. To see like six, seven of those people with those masks on was just so dope. And it, it gives me confidence going in that they're riding the line again between the digital world and the practical world in that classy way that Filoni and Favreau and mm-hmm. everyone involved with the sequel trilogy has. So mm-hmm. I'm stoked on that. It's definitely like it'll always come across to me because we never really saw too much of that in Star Wars, like, a you know, a practical effect alien just speaking English. 
it's very Star Trek. It comes across because that's yeah. what they did, you know, before Star Wars and all those creatures and all those movies back in the day were just background people and and action figures. They didn't really right. have lines, you know. Or if they did, it was Chewbacca, it was Greedo. They didn't speak English, so that kind of made it cooler. But now you have to, you absolutely have to have them speak English, so it gets a little Star Trekky. I'm not saying that in a bad way, but it's just what it reminds me of. Well, speaking of characters who are mostly in the background that didn't have lines mm-hmm. or only had a few, let's talk about the legacy of Boba Fett. Mm. What have you done with those plans? Not much here with stolen plans. Or you know what? I'll lump in the Boba Facts with the, uh, with the Disney Plus stuff. So this yeah. Disney Plus documentary that we're talking about, Under the Helmet, The Legacy of Boba Fett, was released November 12th, 2021, two days before Disney Plus Day of the same year. It's 21 minutes long, short, but informative. It's not a ton of stuff that I feel like we didn't know, but I, it's really cool to see it all put together mm-hmm. in this 21 minute piece. Some facts about Boba Fett that we learned from this, and then we'll get into some fun stuff and what our kind of our feelings were and we'll react a little bit more. So Boba Fett's first appearance we learned in this documentary, a lot of people already knew this, was in a parade in Marin County in the fall of 1978. So before he was on screen, he was in a parade yeah. in the full Empire Strikes Back suit with some slight variations, I'm sure. Yeah. There, were, there were two things in that. There, the footage is so unreal because it's yeah. like literal being in a time machine. The footage is so good at just like what it looks like, what everyone is wearing. You mm-hmm. can sense the excitement for Star Wars. But I think it was Filoni in the dock was like, Darth Vader, that person, whoever was in that suit... This is like the actual movie costume walking down the street in a parade, which yeah. is ridiculous. Long before the 501st existed or anything like that. Here oh, they are totally. in screen-used suits out there. There was another thing that was really funny, too. Uh, like you did back in the day, you got autographs from celebrities right. or whatever. And there was just one like kind of tight shot of like Boba Fett with a pen. And they yeah. only they show him on a piece of paper, just write, a, you know, he's going to write Boba Fett. But you see him like write a B with a pen. And I'm just like, that's yeah. so funny to think. Boba Fett has a pen and he's about to autograph something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've, have we ever seen anyone in Star Wars write anything with a pen? Nothing rings a bell to me. I don't know. Maybe in the Clone Wars at some point? Maybe? I'm not sure. What a weird concept <laughs> to think about. So Boba Fett's first on-screen appearance officially, but not in canon, was the holiday special, the little animated segment. Have you seen the holiday special? I haven't. Um, uh, in reality, I've probably seen every single clip that there is out of order. Yeah. But I've never just sat down and watched it. We talked about last year doing this for December, and we should, we should definitely follow through this year and do oh, it. Oh, yeah. We'll need to for sure. Sweet. Well, so look forward to coverage of the holiday special. Boba Fett's first live action appearance, though, was, as we all know, The Empire Strikes Back. If you look at that chronologically and consider the current sort of special edition, whatever generation of the special editions, consider the current version of A New Hope to be the first canon appearance. Yeah, true. I guess you could count that Mm -hmm. because that was was a deleted scene that was later re-added. Jabba was put in um, in CG and he's waiting there and most obviously in front of the Falcon when Han has his redundant conversation with Jabba. You know, I don't know. Obviously, I don't know everything. I almost felt like he wasn't in that scene, and they they added him. Is that what you're saying? I think you're right. Wouldn't it, well, think about this. Wouldn't if the first they were doing that white, full white proto suit wasn't? Didn't that say it was like 1978 in the yeah. documentary? Yeah. So I feel like they added Boba because 
They yeah. were like, Boba's not in these movies and people love him. Let's just add him in here. And it makes sense if it's Jabba. Yeah, that I, I think you're right. Add us if we're wrong <laughs> or if we're right to confirm. Listeners, thank you. Kind of makes sense to me that they added him just like they added Jabba. Speaking of his on-screen presence, four lines of dialogue total <laughs> in the original trilogy. 21 words, six minutes and 32 seconds of total screen time. Most of which, obviously, because he's barely talking, he's just standing around or doing things or jetpacking, you know, but not talking. The character was played by, on screen, so far at least, has been played by primarily seven different people. Mark Austin, who was in A New Hope, reportedly, we get this from Wikipedia, it said source needed, but I'll trust it for the moment. Jeremy Bullock, who for anyone who pays any attention to Boba Fett is the definitive Boba Fett in terms of the original trilogy. He was in The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Unfortunately, he died in December 2020. Super bum out. John Morton was a stand-in in a few things, in a few scenes in The Empire Strikes Back when Jeremy Bullock wasn't available. Jason Wingring was the voice, the original voice in The Empire Strikes Back. Don Buys was put in for just a few insert shots in The Return of the Jedi 1997 Special Edition. So that's what we're talking about. Right? Because that's that era of special editions, adding Jabba. They probably added Boba in there, I would assume. That would make sense. There we go. All right. Jumping back in the canon timeline, as a little kid, Daniel Logan played Boba in Attack of the Clones and then voiced him in The Clone Wars, a handful of episodes where he appears there. And then as an adult, in the now sort of present day, if we want to call it that, Boba Fett depiction, we have Tamara Morrison, who played Jango Fett as Boba Fett, in The Mandalorian Season 2, and then coming up in The Book of Boba Fett. He also overdubbed Jason Wink Green's voice in The Empire Strikes Back. So that's all Tamara Morrison now. Anything you watch on Disney+, Plus, it's his voice everywhere. Mm-hmm. Which is cool, like but it. sucks for that dude. <laughs> sucks for old Jason. So that's it for Stolen Plans. Let's talk about um, some fun stuff. Things that we enjoyed in the documentary that was maybe, I don't know, interesting or just fun to talk about. And did anything jump out to you that you were like, damn, I didn't know that. Or, oh, well, that's extra cool now that I think about it. Oh, for sure. The part that I did not know that I was like, oh, that's so awesome. And such a George idea that how to get scaled down was Boba Fett's, like his look was supposed to just be like, I think they called them super troopers. It was supposed to be like stormtroopers where there are a ton of them, but they were just better. You know, so that was the original idea for the look of Boba Fett. But then I guess for budgetary reasons, they're like, well, we have one. So let's just make him a bounty hunter. We have one costume. They were trying to do 100 and they were like, "Uh, no way. This is going to cost too much. (laughs) Which is funny because it's just such a massive George thing to be like, no, there's a whole universe. You know, like there's got to be 100 of them. (laughs) Like we could make one, dude. (laughs) How much money are you giving us? No, that that, that equals one. (laughs) But the design you talked about was done by Ralph McQuarrie famous concept artist who started with George in the very beginning. And Joe Johnston, who was an art director at the time, also went on to direct as a, as a film director, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Check this out. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, The Rocketeer, Jumanji, Jurassic Park 3, and Captain America, The First Avenger. Wow. Pretty cool. I was not aware of this. Where have I been? Yeah, I had no clue. I love that Captain America movie. Yeah. I mean, I, I love all those movies. Hits. I mean, those, those well, are hits. Let me take that back. I don't think I love Jurassic Park 3. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Jurassic Park 3. That's what I'll say yeah, about yeah. it. I love all these movies, and I also saw Jurassic Park 3. <laughs> <laughs> but he, uh, he was an art director at the time. He was, he's in this documentary talking about his experience with Ralph McQuarrie. And 
they had this great little sort of like test footage informational film kind of thing where Ben Burt, the sound designer who created, you know, the sounds of R2 and the, the lightsaber and everything, all the iconic Star Wars sounds, who was also an editor on the prequels, he's kind of like hosting almost this mm-hmm. informational film. They said it was like for people overseas, right? Is that what it was? Like there were, were there people probably in like the UK or something like that, that I would assume. I thought that's what they said. Uh, well, if they were working at Pinewood in London, yeah, they right. probably would have sent this. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's so funny how he's just kind of like, yeah. So uh, here we've got the <laughs> the, uh, the viewfinder. I'll you know, pull that. Yep. Does that well, that pulls down there? And that's you know it, yeah. it's like a like a bland car salesman yeah. who's just like, well, these are um, those are the headlights, and uh, <laughs> yeah. this one also has wheels. Well, there was funny. At one point, he's like, kind of says like he has a radio voice or something like that because there was yeah. like a microphone and a speaker in his chest piece. But then yeah. Benton's microphone got too close to the speaker, and it like there was feedback. feedback yeah, <laughs> it's pretty funny. That was good. What I thought was cool, and I, I'm I'm so glad that they were transparent about this. Talking about how they didn't expect the character to matter beyond like 1980, mm. just showing up. It was just one of the the kind of nameless on screen characters. Mm-hmm who had a little bit more action than the others who were just standing in a line. And you want to know why they didn't expect it to be in, in past The Empire Strikes Back? Because there was no backstory for Boba Fett. <laughs> None. <laughs> if you listen to last week, and if you have half a brain, you'll realize now, George made it up as it went along. <laughs> but it's totally fine. It's all good. I like that we didn't give him any backstory when he showed up. He was just one of the bounty hunters. George never worried about stuff like that. He never, he never felt like he had to give you a big backstory. But it's amazing, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, how he just became a cult favorite, mm-hmm. a cult icon, a cult hero within the Star Wars fandom. And like many things in the Star Wars fandom that just took on a life of their own, yeah. that's why we're about to get this show. Not because of some grand vision. It was more like, oh, everybody loves this character. We should do something yeah. with this character. A couple things about the look, a few more things. The T-visor, which is obvious if you think about it for a half a second, but that T-shaped visor, right, on his helmet was designed to be like a version. It was reminiscent of like an actual knight's helmet, Mm -hmm. you know, where they have these tiny little slits so they can't get an arrow in the face, basically. But it's it's interesting if you think about it. Like he was supposed to be a knight, but there's this concept of the Jedi knights. Mm -hmm. So they really were just kind of like throwing around ideas that George would later kind of mold into what canon wouldn't be mm-hmm. and then inform everything in the Clone Wars, all the decisions Filoni was a part of. And I, I feel like the Mandalorians, who they are, this like code of honor, this warrior race and all this kind of stuff. I feel like so much of it came from that one thing, you know, that helmet, that yeah. style that said totally. like, Hey, I'm important. I'm an elite something, mm-hmm. you know, it's really like, I don't know. Maybe I, I take things at face value a lot. I never thought of that in any certain way that it looked like a knight, basically, you know? Yeah. But then like twice within a year, I had two instances of that. I mean, one of them was just like plain old Dinjar and having like chrome armor. I was like, that mm-hmm. looks like a knight. Yeah, and yeah. then very randomly, there was also like a Bud Light knight all of a sudden that they're using <laughs> yeah. in marketing. And yeah. multiple times was I like, Oh, Bud Light Boba Fett. I'm like, oh, wait, no, it's supposed to be a knight. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, wait a minute. Oh, oh, okay. Boba Fett looks like a knight. His helmet anyway. <laughs> yeah, man. There's there's so much little stuff like that that people don't notice, but they, they start yelling about something mm-hmm. before before they notice it or before they think about it. You know, going back to our conversation about Star Wars visions and someone saying there was too much Japanese influence. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, yeah. it's all there right in front of our face. Just think <laughs> for a second. Uh, some something else cool on the concept art, the original all white version, the jag eyes. I don't know. That's a, a species of creature in Star Wars, right? The eyes, you know, kind of up on the dome mm-hmm. that Rex has. Mm-hmm. Those came from the concept art for Boba. So cool. Same things that are on Kanan's mask when he, when he goes yeah. blind in in Rebels. Soon to be on my other thumb. I decided that since I have nice. Ahsoka on my one thumb, I need those just for Rex purposes. I'm like, they're buddies. Yeah. Let me let me throw that on my other thumb. Yeah, I, I did not know that. When I saw that concept art, I was like, oh, that's so cool. And we know Filoni and Favreau, they, they go through those Macquarie concept sketches and all that stuff. The fine tooth comb to pull anything they can. So funny. It's got to end eventually, you know, <laughs> like they yeah. got to use everything. Another thing that I was so surprised to see in the concept art was the dent, the iconic dent in the helmet was not only there, but it was labeled with an arrow that says <laughs> dent. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not just a matter of, some, some of that kind of stuff comes from the prop makers just kind of adding their own story as they're creating, kind of beating up like one of, one of them talked about heating up the plastic and then using a rock and pressing it in to get different little bits of, of wear and tear. But that one specifically was kind of like mandated from the beginning. You know, this dent is going to be here and it's for this reason. Mm-hmm. This is dope. I had never seen this. So they go for a second into Steve Sansweet's Rancho Obi-Wan collection. Mm-hmm. And he's got all this Boba Fett merchandise and Lego stuff and all this cool stuff. But he also has the pre-production blaster rifle, not the one we see on screen. Mm-hmm. But I guess the one maybe that went with the original white version. The proto, yeah. Yeah. If you look closely, the barrel of it is a Graflex handle. The lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, same thing used for Luke's lightsaber or Anakin's lightsaber. That's funny. I didn't notice that. That's great. But it's spray painted black. Must have been so much fun to just make anything back then. <laughs> yeah. They said they used to go into um, military surplus, mm-hmm. like go into a warehouse of just stuff and just dig through it and take what they wanted. Yeah. Anything else? There's some fun little just like funny nuggets that I liked. I like seeing the number of people they brought in. Mm-hmm. George Lucas showing up for an interview now. Yeah. Pretty sick. Yeah. Tamara Morrison. Obviously. I mean, Daniel, I, I don't know why Daniel Logan surprised me. Like, I so, feel yeah, like same. he's a little bit of an afterthought, but it kind of surprised me that he was in there. And, and I thought he had good stories too, you know, like the whole Timora just being like, you're my son, call me dad yeah. off screen. So, and he, t- and he does that impression of him, which is so spot on. I guess you're going to be playing my son and I'm going to be playing your dad. I'll call you son. Yeah. <laughs> you call me dead. <laughs> Did you notice also that Daniel Logan's accent is like half gone? Mm-hmm. For sure. I guess he's lived in LA or Southern California, right? Yeah. Since then. he came over for Star Wars, I would I would guess. Yeah. It's really interesting. I mean, I don't even remember when he did the Clone Wars act like Boba had a, that accent, like a Kiwi accent. Yeah. I don't know why it doesn't like I can't hear it in my head. I mean the original voice was an American accent. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, little Boba, just like a version of the clones, mm-hmm. version of like the down under clone version that uh D. Bradley Baker does. Mm-hmm. Uh but overall it's a fun little documentary. Like we said, it's short. You know, we're going to have a short episode about it here, but it's cool to see all of that stuff that a lot of which we've heard all brought in to one little piece and hear everyone from the maker himself, George, talk about day one to now and the impact of this character that wasn't meant to be anything, but now yeah. seems to be in a lot of ways for a lot of people, everything. I mean, just really, this is almost like a fan-owned character because yeah. sure, Lucasfilm and George made this person. Who knows why it took off other than people liking the way it looked, which I've said, and just 
making their own. I think Filoni touched on it too. Like that was the only other villain as of Empire Strikes Back. There was no emperor yet, basically. So he touched on it in like a toy sense where you now had Vader and Boba Fett. So you Mm -hmm. could go and use your own imagination. And the cult popularity of it is why there's a Mandalorian backstory. You know, like it really is like the genesis of it all is Star Wars fan oriented. It's pretty awesome. So you you mentioned him being the only other kind of bad guy figure that you could play with. Beyond that, though, let's talk about why. Let's try to answer this to wrap up. Mm -hmm. Why did he become such a legend? Like, why did he rise to popularity and become such a fan favorite when he, like we said at the beginning, has four lines, (laughs) is on screen for six and a half minutes, 21 words, you know, it's, it's kind of bizarre. And I will like, admittedly, I'll say that I didn't get it. Yeah. Like I always thought he looked cool, but I didn't get it until the Mandalorian and then Mm -hmm. seeing him actually come back. Because you were getting some story. You were getting some like, oh my God, wait, there is more. You know, now I want to know why, how he did escape. Okay, cool. Yeah. You know, in some of the secondary and tertiary like storytelling and comics and books and that type of thing, at least you get something. You get, I mean, bare minimum, you're getting words that come out of his mouth, (laughs) you know, like really the only thing I could think of, which we've mentioned on the show before is like, he definitely did tell Vader that there was a Skywalker I think it was after A New Hope, but before Empire Strikes Back. In the comics, you're saying? Yeah, Boba Fett in a comic tells Vader that the pilot who blew up the Death Star was named Skywalker. So yeah. they gave they gave him that, which definitely helps as far as like lore goes. But yeah, it's really hard to explain, man. But for whatever reason, 1983, for my third birthday, so I was born in August, my third birthday would have been... Three months after Return of the Jedi came out, my third birthday cake had Boba Fett on it. Wow. And there's a, my favorite picture of me ever is this picture of me wearing like one of those 1980s like vinyl costumes where it was just like, <laughs> you know, like a piece of plastic on your whole body and a plastic mask of Boba Fett. Like, why did I have that? Why? I don't remember telling my parents that I loved Boba Fett, but the evidence is against me in that one. Like I have a picture of me in a Boba Fett costume and my third birthday cake was Boba Fett. Makes no sense because back then I would say it was 1983. So he had been around for three years, but there couldn't have already been a public groundswell of him being a cult character. But I think there was though, dude. There must have been, yeah. I mean, I really have no clue. Because there was there was outrage from the beginning about him going out like a punk, like yeah. he did. Mm-hmm. So just from the Empire Strikes, everybody was like, Who is this dude? Yeah. This is the dopest tertiary villain ever. Mm-hmm. But I still don't get it. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. I just don't because I I've been into Star Wars my literally my entire life. Mm-hmm. But Boba Fett wasn't ever a character that I really focused on. And maybe because I wasn't, I also wasn't super into the bad guys necessarily, yeah, yeah. but I mean, like there's a band from St. Louis, one of the first bands that I ever played a show with that my band played with called who is Jester Muriel <laughs> and Jester Muriel is like the original Mando or, or one of the, or he was like Django's, like, wasn't he like Django's masters? I don't know. There was something like that, right? Originally, originally, I think that was Boba's actual real name or something in legends uh-huh. but point being it's all around this idea of boba fett they had a song called bounty hunter you know like this <laughs> yeah. is this is not stuff that happens for i don't know the bartender in the most Isley cantina yeah. you know or i mean it has to be some combination to me in my head of like the 
proportion of how cool he looks versus what he actually does is like night and day. You know, like the ratio yeah. is like, he looks so cool and there's nothing about him. So I think people just made, filled in the blanks. And that's the only thing I could think of, which I feel like is not, you know, that's not even my thought. I've heard other people say that where it's just like, well, he had no story. So we just made it up. Yeah. <laughs> as far as like people's own playing with toys, fan fiction, whatever it is, like you just got to decide how cool he was and it took off. So, I mean, I guess you make somebody look that cool. You give them a job title like Bounty Hunter. Also, I think you throw in something like, you had something like the carbon freeze and the, just the way that block looks with Han and the thing and, the, you know, it's levitating. He's putting it in this awesome ship. Mm -hmm. They just crushed it aesthetically. And then you make that character mysterious by, <laughs> you do all that work and then you do the zero work part of it where you say, there's no backstory. I don't know. It's a mystery. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh my God, what is, <laughs> who is this? Yeah. It's like a perfect formula. So here we are. Yeah. I mean, they're the little bit to go on of like Vader being the big bad guy at that point did entrust Boba with Han. Yeah. You know, like, so there's that little bit. And the no disintegrations line that really mm -hmm. indicates there's something to learn about this guy. It indicates there is disintegration. <laughs> there has been disintegrations. Yeah. <laughs> That's the whole backstory in the original trilogy yeah. is that he has disintegrated things. <laughs> Literally. Right? Yeah. If you think about it, that's the only thing about his past. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's tight. I'm on board. <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up. Like we said, this is a short one. So without Ryan Key, maybe we bail on quotes this week. No quote. Yeah, I don't have much. Nick's got to go to a show. Yeah, I'm going to see Japanese Breakfast. Very stoked. Well, Book of Boba Fett premieres a month and a half from now at the time of this recording, December 29th. We'll be covering that weekly we're going to try to drop an episode like the next day. Mm. Maybe we'll push to Friday, but I think the plan is to try to like really stay on it, stick with Thursdays, watch in the morning, record in the afternoon. I'll edit at night. Won't go to sleep until it's done. And we'll have really timely content, which will be awesome and fun. We get more Patreon subscribers. Wink, wink, everyone out there. Adam will be forced to edit and have it out <laughs> on Thursday. Yeah, that's a fact. <laughs> I can't let our patrons down. Yeah, exactly. So... Raise the stakes for me. <laughs> Speaking of patrons, thanks for uh, hanging out with us right now. We've got a few folks in here. Thanks, Stacy. Thanks, Kevin Doom. Thanks, Doug Vader. <laughs> you guys got to see Adam hit his head a bunch of times to rattle some thoughts together. It was great. <laughs> now you know the secret. You picked up that tip from me, and now you're going to be uh, more powerful for it. <laughs> My version of that, because I'm getting old, I've definitely started to, like anyone else, I assume you talk to yourself in your head, but like actually in your head. I wouldn't say I talk to myself out loud, but when I do something stupid that I didn't normally do, like that I think is like me getting old, I'm like, come on, Nick. Yeah. I just say that a lot now. <laughs> come on, Nick, get it together. Talk to me, goose. That's what I say. <laughs> All right, everybody, thanks for listening. If you, listener, want to be one of these patrons who's hanging out right now, you can go to patreon.com slash thankthemakerpod. You can get in at the lowest tier, just a few bucks a month. You get Discord access, join the little community we have, which is super fun to hang at the highest tier. You can listen along as we record, hear all the mess ups, see all the behind the scenes stuff, see how the sausage is made, how the, uh, the sausage and the Ronto wrap is made. <laughs> Patrons truly help make this thing possible. Literally, this has become my part-time job that I can afford to do without guilt because of patrons. So if you want to be one of those people, if you get something out of this podcast, if you enjoy it, think about the fact that it's been free up until this moment where you decided to become a patron and then become a patron. 
We appreciate it. Patreon.com slash ThankTheMedicalPod is where you do that. If you want to follow the podcast on social media, you can follow us on Instagram at ThankTheMakerPod. You can follow us on Twitter at ThankTheMaker. All of my stuff is at Adam the Skull. And all of my social media is at Nick Bayside. And please listen to episode number 21 of the Radio Radio Show on Spotify. Just released it a couple days ago. Also check out thankthemakermerch.com for Thank the Maker merch. That helps as well. We have some new designs coming, which I'm going to say they'll be up by Black Friday because we're probably going to do a thing for that as well. Working on it. So be on the lookout. If it's past that and you're listening to this months from now, then... Um, Still go there? (laughs) Still get a shirt? That's the best plan, I think. Uh, Nick, I love you, and I like hanging out with you. Love you. It doesn't matter how many other people are here. No. That remains. I always just look at you the whole time and only listen (laughs) to you, no matter how many people are here. Same. Those other people are irrelevant. (laughs) Everybody, thanks for listening, and until next week, may the Force be with you. 